Luxicult is a part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. What they undertook to do, they brought to pass. All things hang like a drop of dew upon a blade of grass. That is Gratitude to the Unknown Instructors by W.B. Yates. Hello and welcome to Lexicult. This is the podcast where we gleefully taunt the mundane, butcher the Latin and most other languages, and we also discuss a variety of occult and esoteric adjacent topics, exploring the intersections of magic, art, science, philosophy, technology, and so much more. This is occultism for everyone. I'm your host, Lux Estrada, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that indicates that this show and magic are for you if you want them. There are a lot of different ways to be more free, and using magic or making space for a spiritual practice in your life can be one of them. As always, I don't speak for anybody but myself. Others can, will, and should disagree with me sometimes. How will we ever learn anything if we were all in agreement on all things all the time, after all? And like anybody who attempts to be reasonable should be willing to do, I am always willing to revise my opinions based on new evidence. Super excited to be bringing you this special episode today. I have a few treats in store for you, including a very out there conversation that I had with Flood from XV Planets podcast for my Patreon a while back. It's a really fun and relaxed chat in which we speculate wildly about topics like entropy, the phenomena, aliens, or non-human biologics, as I suppose we're calling them these days, magic, and more. I'll also be sharing a few tracks from Fuck Around and Find Out Part 2, The Green Mushroom Project, and We the Hollow Digital Mixtape, and books 1 through 15 of The Green Mushroom Project 23 Bibliomancy Scripture. Before we get into the fun here, I'd like to say thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me and my awesome guests here on this show. As I'm fond of saying, time is one of the few zero-sum games that we play, so your choice to spend yours with me is appreciated. I really feel lucky to be able to make this show, and I'm really grateful to all of you for making that possible. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to all of the amazing guests that I've had so far. There's some really, really dope content that I have recorded that I can't wait to bring you coming down the line here. I had a great conversation with Dr. Vanessa Sinclair yesterday. Shout out to her and Carl Abrahamson, both of whom I took a very cool class about cut-ups from on morbidanatomy.com. I've also recorded some awesome conversations with others, including Angela Guyton, Eric J. Millar, and Professor Patricia McCormick. There's more yet to be recorded that I don't want to jinx. Really stoked about it, though. Green Mushroom Project will also be releasing the Mycocultus working soon, which I will mention a little bit more about later. I did want to let you all know that I will be taking a little bit of a winter break to reset, do a little bit of traveling, and catch up with some stuff around the house. But fret not, I will be returning in full force as soon as I have rested and revitalized and gotten my house in order. Due to being pretty introverted, and also for the sake of my mental health, honestly, I don't spend too much time engaging with social media. Not there every day or anything like that, but I definitely love hearing from all of you. I'm beyond lucky to have such amazing listeners, collaborators, cohorts, co-conspirators, etc. You all are super fucking chill as far as I can tell from interacting with people, and I really, really appreciate that. Fuck yeah, many thanks. 
I always welcome people's thoughts, questions, comments, suggestions, or arcane revolutions. You can reach me at luxocultpod at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram at luxocultpod. Links to that stuff in the show notes. If you like the show and the other stuff that I've been getting into, you can support it on Patreon. If you do so, you can take a bibliomancy break with me. There are no tiers or levels or whatever, so give as you will. Buy me a coffee is an option for those who wish to show their support with a one-time donation. Thank you so much to everybody who's already doing that. Your support makes this show possible, quite literally, by allowing me to cover the expenses associated with it and thereby justifying the time that I spend. Um, I've recently, as I said before, incurred some new costs relating to like having to pay for stuff that used to be free. So that Patreon money goes a long way in helping me to cover all of that. So thank you so much. I really do love making this thing and thank you for helping me to make that possible. All right, so since this episode will be released on the 23rd, I'm going to start by sharing a track that I made in which I recite books 10 through 15 of the 23 Bibliomancy scripture, along with the audio sigil that I made for this project. I produced it mostly from samples that were available in the public domain that had the number 23 in their title, so that's how it came together. The 23 Bibliomancy experiment began on May 23rd, 2022, and is being conducted for the purposes of divination. It's intended to produce a small corpus of sacred scripture composed of lines arrived at via Bibliomancy and arranged via random chance. Each participant submitted the 23rd line of the 23rd page of the book they had selected, rolled dice, and then the order placement of the lines was determined based on those dice rolls. So this was done on the 23rd of each month for five months with the goal of creating a piece of scripture for the group. In the six months, we gathered and performed exegesis on the scripture and did some automatic writing. This automatic writing was then fed into a cut-up generator and this was what produced book six. For book seven and those that follow, we returned to our normal protocol of selecting the 23rd line from the 23rd page. So each month on the 23rd day, participants meet online on our Discord server to arrange the 23rd line of 23rd page via dice rolls. So the resulting text is then discussed and it's a fun time. This experiment is going to run for 23 iterations, so we're going to have 23 books total. If you'd like to participate in the 23 Bibliomancy experiment, we do the ritual, as I said, on the 23rd of the month on our Discord server, The Green Machine. Email me at luxocultpod at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at luxocultpod for a link to the server. Alright, without further ado, let's get into it. Here are books 10 through 15 of The Green Mushroom Project 23 Bibliomancy Scripture. The Green Mushroom Project 23 Bibliomancy Scripture, Books 10 through 15, read by Lux Estrada. Book 10. Local gods giving to their sanctuaries the name of the god adored, a all the autocathotic goats died out, and along with them, the ritual. The ground fell under her. She let the electro screen slip. Masonry was the first apostle of equality. If we take free will as a defining quality, or perhaps the, into Marilyn Monroe, if a million men do that and leave it. Book 11. Breath may have already slowed naturally over the 10, frightened, find an array of little bottles old perfume bottles of interesting shapes, trust to assemble an international coalition, curious, 
involuntary feat of fantasy in which his rational mind had no nostrils and expands into your lungs. Notice the brief. Book 12. Enjoy the book. Sakurazara Natoidi, Microbiotics, 1972. Book 13. Investigational tool as a common thread to a kind of unilateral. Mother, dream she came to town to wash their faces with lye, to cut, of her son had lain. She called to her husband, who climbed the ladder. Collective oppression, social movement, liberation. Book 14. God, I missed you. Why has it been so long, though? I know you. Do. Change the S of Satoy to a Z, and you can join us. I hadn't a clue. Ah, I had completely missed it. I must be too weary to not be serious. This is a grave matter. The Milky Way. Gu, Ko, Kimi. The backbone of the sky, and the ridge of stars overhead. It has been so distracted from its duties by a mere momentary down. Deed, every physical or mental glitch of pride, pain, or anxiety designates the upper range and is appropriate for high instruments like thee. Their requests for a funeral were met with rejection, a refusal to offer either a... Book 15 Who can tell what a baby thinks? Who can follow the gossamer link? Wormtail will get us drinks, if you like them, said Snape, when teaching us needed lessons for which we may be grateful years. Take some time to be at your altar space regularly, even if it's just to sit for, for creative exercises and making conscious those aspects of craft pressure to fit a familiar and simple narrative of going from one point to another. Time-space sector belongs to God eternally. Alright, fuck yeah. Interesting stuff indeed. The thing is positively hot to the touch, magically speaking, at least for me. There's been a lot of interesting things that have come up surrounding it. Thanks so much to everybody who's been hanging out for 23 Bibliomancy and contributing to the scripture. Shane Mindbender had a fun idea the other day, which I like the sound of. Once we complete all 23 books, we can print the scripture out as a zine, or at least format it for that. Then we can find the 23rd line of the 23rd page and see what secret it reveals. Looking forward to finding that. We will be discovering book 17 on December 23rd, 2023, the last chance of the year to do that. At least this is the plan. Speaking of plans, no plan, however well-constructed, ever survives first contact with the enemy, aka reality. Best to remain flexible. I had planned to release an episode about the mycocultus working next, but it might be a different cool thing instead, we will see. We're putting some last-minute touches on it, and this is a very busy time of year for a lot of people, but it's very close, and I'm pretty stoked about it. Big thanks to Dave Audrey from Unearthing Paranormalcy Podcast and the AOD, which is the Ancient Order of Druids, for all of his awesome work and putting it together. To Laughing Dog for helping out with testing out the tech and making the visual aids. And to Shane and all of the crack team of beta readers for doing the Yaman's work of editing. The Mycocultus working is our reskin of some classic tech, with the twist of replacing the gender stuff with mycological or mushroom-based symbolism, which I think is really cool. 
there's this idea of the divine feminine and the divine masculine sort of permeating all levels of reality that comes up in a number of different places in occultism and esotericism and religion and stuff. The divine feminine and divine masculine certainly are a thing, right? I don't doubt that, but I just wonder to what extent they're like mostly a thing for us rather than being property of the world at large. Not all biological life forms do genetic recombination in the same way as animals and plants do either. Studying mycology really opened my eyes up to that actually. Fungi have all sorts of strange and interesting strategies which when looked at from a plant-animal normative context seem quite perverse indeed. It's pretty hard to sort out where you would actually put labels of divine feminine or masculine on some of these things and at least I think being symbolic it's obviously open to interpretation. Friends have said to me, but yeah, Alexa, mushrooms look like dicks, which is definitely true, and I love that. It's hilarious. But I think getting into the biology, we see how sort of bizarre and strange it all really is. And I really like that. You know, maybe it's time to think bigger and to try to get past some of the human projections that we put onto things, like ideas of what is feminine and what is masculine, or I don't know, all of the rest of it. For me, fungi and the mushrooms speak to this idea a lot. We're going to be getting into some strange territory here going forward, if that wasn't strange enough for you, <laughs> as we delve into my chat with Flood from the XV Planis podcast about entropy, aliens, and more. This is some very fun bonus content that we recorded on a whim about a year ago, and you might notice that I've taken a bit of a lighter editing hand with it than I normally do. It has a relaxed feel that I hope you will enjoy. I thought it would also be interesting to revisit the conversation given some of what's happened in the time since we recorded it. Flood's doing a lot of fun and interesting work and has a lot of cool ideas about this stuff. We have a kind of ongoing conversation surrounding this topic. So uh, here is a little bit of that that you can listen to. And keep in mind, this was about a year ago, so a lot has happened since, and that's kind of exciting. Leading us into that, I'm going to share a piece from Fuck Around and Find Out Part 2, The Green Mushroom Project and We the Hollow Digital Mixtape, which is available now for free on Bandcamp. There's a link to that in the show notes. Thanks so much to everybody who contributed audio for that project. Dope shit. So let me share a little bit about this piece, which is called The Illusion of Separation by Jesus Vergara and Alejandro Zertucci. All right. Jesus writes, this piece was composed out of the field recordings of a ritual operation. Every sound was produced by digitally manipulating different parts and aspects of said recording. In 2020, Alejandro Zertucci, a Mexican magician artist, realized and video recorded an occult and magical themed performance somewhere around Europe. The piece dealt with the subject and mythology of the Golden Thread in relation to some personal issues he was going through. The result was a video art piece, still unedited to this day. In order to complete said piece, Alejandro approached me to create the soundtrack. Following the spirit of the piece and our mutual love for all things occult, we decided that we would perform and record a different ritual in order for me to use it as the main audio source to create the music for his piece. This new ritual dealt with similar personal issues of mind that we were both noticing and he was explaining his intention for the original ritual. The operations for the second ritual strayed away from the golden thread and were adapted to my particular case in idiosyncrasies. Overall, this ritual included operations such as the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, an effigy construction and destruction, as well as a theremin placed at the center of the room, where it was performed in order for it to react and to create tones in response to our movement at the moment of the ritual performance. These recordings were later processed digitally to create the music presented here. 
all right, fuck yeah, this is so fucking cool. I love this idea of, you know, recording these rituals to use for making more rituals. That's something that I do a lot of myself. And the idea of this theremin being set up in the middle of the room and reacting in real time to what's going on somatically is just so cool. So without further ado, here is The Illusion of Separation by Jesus Berger and Alejandro Zertucci. All right, let's roll into this special bonus content with Flood from the XV Planets podcast. All right, well, I'm here with Flood from XV Planets to have a very fun impromptu conversation about an interest we just realized that we shared today, and that is dark energy and entropy and dark matter and what have you black holes might be in there adjacently too right oh absolutely and i am an entropy buff so i'm really glad that we started <laughs> started talking okay well tell me about this i love the concept of entropy that everything has a projected path of essentially falling apart and and that's that's really what it is for me is no matter 
what direction it's going, it is going to have a beginning and an end. But what gets really interesting for me is if we start talking about entropy, the scientific understanding that everything has a natural order of dissolving into itself. But I think throughout the course of me doing paranormal investigations and and toying with the occult, I think you can actually challenge the concept of entropy because I think a lot of people, when you start talking about entropy, you immediately start thinking on the scale of time. When you start toying around with different planes of existence, you realize that time is a little bit weirder than you think. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah, I've heard some people say that entropy kind of suggests that time has like a handedness, a chirality or whatever, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why time travel might not be possible, even though it seems like it might be based on like Einstein stuff. So yeah, that's interesting that you say that. And I love that you brought time travel into this uh, because I 100% believe that it is possible. And I think that we've actually, uh, we've actually witnessed time travelers. I, I mean, that's going to go off into a whole UFO discussion, but I really think that's what some of the greater UFO documented cases that have popped up over the last several years, uh, last few decades, actually. So is it future us? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I 100% agree with this. And my, my argument for that is, in particular, the Rendlesham Forest in, incident. Are you familiar with this? I am. Yeah, that is a fascinating story. And there is some evidence there in terms of, like, there were coordinates and stuff. And there was something... Wasn't there something even written in English? Am I remembering that right? Uh, so, yeah. Uh when when these two guys all right so for those who are listening quick recap the rendlesham forest incident was a ufo encounter that happened on december 24th through the 26th of 1981 in england on an american uh, air force base correct yeah yeah it was a joint air force uh, joint air force base right at the height of the cold war and these two officers were sent out to investigate some sort of odd lights in the sky they go out there, they have these two nights of incredibly strange experiences, and one of them, um, Charles Holt, and I encourage all of you to look into this and, and do the research because it's mind-numbingly, uh, it's just fascinating. This, uh, this guy ends up walking up to the craft, which he describes as a silver triangle with a slightly domed top, and all along the sides of it were these things that he would describe as Egyptian hieroglyphics, but without the animals. And he reaches out and he runs his fingers across it. And at one point, he essentially gets zapped and um, short circuits his, his brain a little bit. And for days, uh, actually weeks after this event, he kept hearing ones and zeros in his head. One, one, zero, one, 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 zero, 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 one, 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 one. So binary. And it starts to drive him crazy. So Charles Holt takes out this notebook and he writes out like something seven to 11 pages of ones and zeros. And at the time, binary was not really in like common conversation. So, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, people didn't really know what it was. So he writes this stuff down. And over the course of several years, he starts to go to different UFO conventions, and he starts talking about his experiences. And every once in a while, he would break out this notebook with the ones and zeros. And at one point, I want to say it was like in 93 or 94, he's at a convention and he breaks this thing out and he shows it to the audience. And whenever he's done with his uh, presentation, 
this uh, woman comes out of the crowd and is like, can I see that notebook for a second? And she looks at it and so like, this is binary. What is binary? So she explains to him what binary is, and then she offers to translate it. And the outcome of it is insane. Is It is a message that says, this is an exploration of humanity. And then it starts rattling off different coordinates that uh, line up with like the Great Pyramids, the Moon Temple in, um, in Mayan territory, several places in China, the Temple of, oh man, I wish I... Sorry, I wish I would have had this lined up. No worries. Um, yeah, this is you, this is very informative for a completely impromptu conversation. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. But it uh, it ended with origin coordinates, and the coordinates are for this fabled island off of the west coast of Ireland called High Brazil. The High Brazil thing is actually what really caught my interest on this because up until the late 1800s, if you look through older maps and cartography and stuff like that, High Brazil shows up many times. But it is not there now. If you try apparently this this island is only visible for one day out of every seven years. And uh, it's often shrouded in fog. But that's what's fascinating to me is if you really look into old cartography, it has been mapped out for centuries. Centuries. But it's not there. So this really piqued my interest. And what it ended up doing is, like, aside from doing like the paranormal investigation, I also do a whole lot of uh, CE5 work, which is Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, human-initiated uh, attempts at contact with UFOs. I have created a binary sequence translated to audio that is a direct response to the binary from the Rendlesham Forest. And so I broadcast this thing every time I go out to chase UFOs. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Can you send me an MP3 that so I can check it out? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, if you decide to if you decide to air this episode, I will send it to you and you should actually play it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I um, you know, this stuff really fascinates me and like going back to entropy, it, you know, we do often associate time as being a factor of that, but I really do think that time is not really what we think it. I don't think we really truly understand the concept of time because we are limited to only one level of it. It's We can only see what we can experience with our own eyes, you know? Yeah, I have a lot of like precog experiences and time definitely just seems a lot more eccentric than normal everyday experience might lead us to, to think. Hmm. I, I think, I think the concept of time is a trap that we have built for ourselves. And, uh, you talking time about is a like, trap, dude, <laughs> time, is, time is a trap. <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways, like it, yeah, our limited perception and of, um, yeah, we know that we can only process a small amount of the data that's coming into our brains. So, yeah. Right. And for those of us who have had the opportunity to experience things like precognition or even uh, anybody who's experienced uh, elements of past lives or something like that, the reality uh, or at least the understanding of the concept of time starts to get a little bit more flexible when you start to look into these things. And you can't really explain it or describe it to other people unless they've had those experiences too. But I just... I think it's a little bit more rubber than solid, you know? Yeah. 
seems a little stretchy. Mm-hmm. So what I've been thinking about recently, and this is as we, uh, God, let me try this. And I'm just getting so excited about dark energy. Yes. Let me calm down. <laughs> so don't, as I'm in- don't calm down. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited about it. But anyway, as I had mentioned to you before, like this idea of entropy and dark matter and dark energy and all that shit, like this is something that's sort of a, a recursive interest of mine um, that comes up every once in a while and um, sometimes becomes very interesting in a very intense way. Um, and recently I've been thinking a lot about this idea of dark energy, just sort of like in a sort of esoteric philosophical way, right? Like, so we suspect that there is all this like matter and energy that is out there that we're not able to interact with, but through indirect action, we can, there's a suggestion that it's there. Like it seems to be having an effect on a large scale, which is the scale that we can detect it on, on, you know, when we're studying like things like cosmology and astronomy and stuff like that. Right. So it reminds me a lot of the idea of magic. Like it's something that we can see evidence for there's, you know, there's some kind of effect taking place, but the actual mechanisms remain shrouded Mm-hmm. Yeah. almost like almost like they have to remain shrouded in order for them to work and it reminds me of are you familiar with um incompleteness like the idea of incompleteness like in terms of like sort of a mathy way i i, I don't think so so like in sort of like if we're looking at logic and math it's been kind of demonstrated that there cannot be a system a complete system of knowledge like there will always be some potential for it to be self-referential to make a sort of like feedback loop um there is this dude um cart godel who like discovered this and i've talked about him on i think this i think it actually is going to be in the episode with brit anyway but so yeah kurt godel is the one that kind of pointed this out and it sort of it kind of in a lot of ways broke our understanding of math at the time like Gödel ended up basically committing suicide because he got so insane and paranoid and thought that mathematicians were trying to kill him for ruining math or whatever <laughs> um so <laughs> it's kind of but yeah it's just it's kind of interesting like there's something interesting about looking at these concepts together and sort of like I don't know thinking about the like metaphysics involved in terms of how reality works and like does there need to be a sort of curtain and is is it possible too that like the dark energy or dark matter or whatever it is, whatever stuff it is that we're not able to like interact with, like in what way is this sort of like uh, illustrative of the weight of magic in the world? Interesting. So I, 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 I love that you, you bring up the, the concept of the curtain. And, and so I have this theory and, and the things that you're talking about right now, it, we're, we're essentially talking about undiscovered sciences. And that's how, that's honestly how I view magic. It's undiscovered or undocumented science because we have spent so much time as an existence of humanity uh, trying to ground ourselves and um, not really being willing to open ourselves up to different lines of thought or, for that matter, different layers of reality. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing here pretty soon is I think the collective unconsciousness is about to get shaken up. I think that we are on the verge of 
getting irrefutable evidence that the universe is way freaking weirder than we ever possibly imagined. And I think that as a collective consciousness, like we are starting to hit that point where we're starting to look at things differently. We're starting to challenge the nature of reality, not just as individuals, but as a people, like as a planet, we are realizing things are way stranger than we ever were willing to dive into. And I think we're at a point where all of this is starting to come back around. So, you know, in our previous conversation, I was talking about my disappointment, the fact that parapsychology is not an offered, you know, scholastic program in most universities. I think we're going to start seeing that to come back around. And this opens up the door for a lot of things. And, and this includes magic, it includes ghosts, it includes UFOs. I think that we are going to get that evidence that we need here pretty soon, that we need to be looking further into these things. And I, I know maybe I'm just getting way too hopeful, but I'm hoping that at least in my lifetime, we're going to start to see all of this be a part of everyday life instead of a bunch of weirdos hanging out and talking about it. I, I, I want to see it actually happen. Maybe I'm just being hopeful, though. I don't know. Okay, so you're, you're, you're saying that what you hope for is a sort of like paradigm shift away from the sort of scientific materialism or like maybe the other versions of perhaps spirituality or whatever that are popular? I am hoping that the concepts of science and spirituality are going to find a path together because all of this stuff is real. Magic is real. Well, that's occultism, man, right? Like that, that to me, that's what occultism is for sure. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, exactly. But, you know, uh, you say occultism and, you know, with us, it's like, yes, absolutely. But for a lot of other people, that there's a stigma even with that word, you know? So, mm -hmm. so being able to break out of that mold and say, like, this is not occultism, hidden knowledge. Let's get it to the point where it's no longer hidden. And I think that's what we're slowly getting to. It's still going to take some time, but I think we are there because I do think there is kind of a spiritual awakening happening on the planet right now. Interests in things like occultism, UFOs, the paranormal, this is, no, this is becoming less taboo every single day. So I really do think that we are kind of teetering on the edge of a spiritual awakening. Yeah, there's a sort of like pendulum swing, like, you know, progress or, or like not progress per se, but just like change is seldom completely linear, right? But I think that you're right about people's ideas and their minds being broadened and stuff. And, and I'm sure technology has a big part to play in that too. I do want to back up just a little bit because you were talking about the hidden knowledge and like the idea of de-occulting the occult. And I love that. Like, I love the idea of accessibility and all of that. Like, I'm super about it. But I do think that there's part of it that, you know, the reason why it's occult knowledge is it's some some knowledge can only be gained through experience. And so that's why it's hidden from the person who hasn't experienced it yet, too, which is another way that I think about that. That's actually that's a really good point. Yeah. So and the other thing, too, I wanted to bring up was like, I like I like this and I love your optimism, but I've noticed and I others have brought this up. This is not like a new idea or anything, but like in a lot of ways, science has for some people replaced the sort of psychological niche that spirituality might otherwise have hold, have held. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's looked to as a sort of a, like a set of, of authority, like rather than a set of tools. Mm. So and, and that's not really ever what it was like supposed to be per se like i think it's just sort of like human nature and the fact that like power systems are kind of like self-organizing or whatever 
I do think that what we're seeing with things like parapsychology and stuff like that is that it's not at all about the methodology. It's not about the data. It's not that there's not actual scientific evidence for a lot of this stuff because there is, mm. and there's, it's very interesting, but it's just that you cannot bring it up in scientific circles because it goes against the paradigm the authorities have established. It's like going into a Catholic church and being like, you know what? Maybe maybe Lucifer's not so bad, y'all. Like, <laughs> and they'll be like, get the fuck out, right? Oh no, I I totally agree. There because of some of these like archaic institutions, like there is a line in the sand that if if and this is why it's so difficult for people to accept this as part of their reality is that it has been beaten into our heads by institutions, and I I mean it's up to people like you and I to challenge those systems. Yes. The real problem is authority. You should challenge it. Absolutely. Or at least question it. <laughs> yeah. Think for yourself. Question authority. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my parents had a bumper sticker that said that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, um, you know, we, uh, you know, religion and science, these people who are in the thick of all these things are so rigorously devoted to a specific line of thought that they're not willing to take the blinders off and and kind of broaden their view and look look at the world around them and i'll use myself as an example here because you know three years ago if if you would have shown me any type of paranormal investigation show or anything like that i would have been like yeah okay it's fun it's funny whatever but after the first experience that i had shattered my whole world. Now I view everything completely differently. I was a card-carrying atheist, not agnostic, like hardcore atheist, until I had my first paranormal experience. And now that has thrown my understanding of reality, spirituality, and the nature of the universe into question. And now... It made you question your faith in agnosticism? <laughs> Hilarious, right? I know. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, if we if we really parse it out, like being sure there's no God seems just as faith based as being sure there's not. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Right. Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can tell you what I think. And that is that there is no like one true God. I don't know. <laughs> I, I am not opposed to the like, idea of there being a constant flow of energy that constantly creates and destructs. That's an idea that I like, but yeah. you're talking about a power that is so far out of the realm of what we understand of consciousness being that it just it will not make any sense, you know. But yeah, I think I I will approach my view of reality the same way that I used to approach being a chef when I used to look at food as art before I got disillusioned by the whole thing. And I worked for this one chef who told me the moment that you think you have everything figured out is the moment you have failed. That rings true in every aspect of my life, and certainly more so in the realm of spirituality and the nature of reality, because I am the first to tell you that I don't know shit. I can tell you only my personal experiences and what I have seen and what I think is the nature of reality. But nobody else is going to see it the same way that I do, and nobody else is going to experience it the same way I do. And I think until you have those experiences that throw everything that you think you know into question, then you're walking through life with blinders on. You're not allowing yourself to expand and grow. And 
you can be a specialist in something, but sometimes that just makes you an insufferable asshole. <laughs> <laughs> or just really difficult to talk to. Not mutually exclusive, of course, but yes. I know. I'm pretty difficult to talk to. Sorry. <laughs> I, I Actually, I was just on the Discord server earlier, the Green Mushroom Discord server. I was just talking to somebody about this saying like, I was hanging out with some friends yesterday and that I know from gaming and stuff. And I realized that I'm extremely difficult to talk to if you like don't share my weird specific interests, <laughs> like normal people trying to talk to me like, what the fuck? So, yeah, yeah. it's it's fine. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I understand. I have officially become that guy uh, who shows up to barbecues and backyard parties and makes everybody <laughs> really uncomfortable when I start going on diatribes about aliens and ghosts and things like that. <laughs> oh, God, it's talking about aliens again. <laughs> I, I am that guy. I have become that guy. You get a couple of drinks at me at a barbecue and I become Henry Zabrowski on speed. Just like. Oh, uh, <laughs> That's uh, one of the hosts from. Last podcast. Last. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude. For some reason, I just couldn't stop talking about fucking entropy yesterday. <laughs> they're like, why do you keep talking about entropy? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like. <laughs> Because once uh, yeah. you get started on it, you can't stop. That's entropy. <laughs> Maybe it was just some kind of eccentricity of time, which was like a an, a four echo of this conversation where I knew I was going to be talking. Or I didn't know. But this conversation had an echo backwards in time that made me think and talk about entropy all day yesterday. Time. And it's not because I have problems with obsessing over things so yes no actually that's something worth noting you know time is a man-made construct so we very well could have known that we were having this conversation so all right we talked a little bit about this idea of this like sound coming from black holes in the last conversation we had yeah and i'm curious you had you had mentioned there that you thought that the people who had had paranormal or magical experiences might find a lot of like familiarity in experiencing this sound and i'm kind of curious like if you have any ideas about that none that i can convey in words right now like this is uh all right so you know full disclosure i'm i'm guess i'm a little bit of what you would call a psychonaut i do believe in the healing and magical properties of controlled amounts of hallucinogens and i i want to openly state this is not for everyone <laughs> <laughs> legally speaking, no, I don't suggest that anybody try it. Yeah. But I have had a lot of experiences both through uh, psychedelics and through the paranormal where the sound that was picked up from the black hole, or at least was digitally reconstructed because technically speaking, you can't really hear that sound. So they had to reconstruct it based on the data. But the reconstruction of it sounds a whole lot like what I heard at the Sally House, what I heard at Waverly. And, okay, here's where we're going to get a little bit weirder. Certain psychedelics have triggered the same sound, and I experienced the same sound during two of my three near-death experiences. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so there's a. I didn't realize there was this kind of like aural component to this experience for you. That's, okay, fascinating. Yeah. The uh, the connection to my near-death experiences in particular are, are what made it really stand out to me. When I first heard the sound played, uh, like, ah, uh, uh, everything just kind of warped around me. It, it triggered something in my head, and, like, my vision got fuzzy. I got tunnel vision. Shadows started to, like, peel into my field of vision. There is something to that sound, and I'm absolutely fascinated with it. I want to dig further into it. 
Fascinating. So it's something about the like the sound and perception or consciousness or whatever have to do with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is the exact sound or a very similar sound to what I felt when I was catapulted out of my body on two occasions. Uh, I got into a car wreck when I was younger and I had a, a heart um, condition that revealed itself about two years ago. And on both of those experiences, I I was disconnected from my body. Like I could actually see myself and I could see weird things all around me. But that sound was all encompassing. Like I could, oh, as soon as I heard this reconstruction, I'm like, what the hell, man? So, you know, that started, it sent me off on a wild tangent on, all right, let's talk about the nature of the universe. Is this all inside our heads? Like, <laughs> So it's uh, you know it's it's challenging stuff, but I, I really do encourage everyone to uh, to listen to that clip. And again, I'll I'll send you the link here or send you the file here in a bit. But I would be really interested to see if anybody else feels the same way when they listen to it. Yeah, that is an interesting question. So yes, if you want to check it out, let us know if what your experiences of it are. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. and uh, if you want to contact me directly, it's xvplanis at gmail I want to hear your stories. Tell me about the weirdest stuff that's happened. I to also you. want to hear your stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can get me at lexicalpod at gmail.com. <laughs> you copy both of us yes, on it. That'll, be, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that, that, you know, that would be phenomenal. I would love to uh, I would love to talk to anybody who's had an out-of-body experience and your death experience. I would like to hear what they have uh, witnessed, heard, or seen because you know, much like time, the entirety of the nature of reality, I think, is um flexible and flimsy at best absolutely mm -hmm. so how did you first become like interested in entropy and all this other stuff that we're talking about um i used to uh many many moons ago i was working as a uh a line cook in branson missouri by the way don't ever go to branson missouri if you're listening and you're in branson missouri i'm sure it's lovely and we love you <laughs> if they are listening to this and they're from branson missouri they know exactly what i'm talking about okay <laughs> That, that place is Las Vegas if it was run by Ned Flanders during the day, but the second the sun goes down, that place is like the meth capital of Missouri. It is bad. Sounds very intense. Yeah. Yeah. Like Boy Scouts. Intense. Um, intense. <laughs> but but I, uh, I used to hang out with a, uh, a brilliant man who was a thermodynamics major, and he's the one who got me into the concept of entropy. Was he also obsessed with entropy? Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's the one who kind of turned me on to the concept of it. And we had all sorts of conversations about it, especially him being a thermodynamics major. He was like, let's talk about the actual practical applications to this. So it was really interesting to actually talk about this with a legitimate scientist. And um, it's it's a concept that I love very, very much. Or, you know, the the data surrounding it is is absolutely phenomenal. But... Uh, it's it's actually pretty rare that it comes into the realm of conversation. And had I known that you and I were going to end up having a conversation about entropy, I would have, man, I would have pulled out a stack of books and this this would have been going for several hours. <laughs> like, well, we can always have a, a part two because I would like, as we discussed, both of us have not really slept much in the last 24 hours and Jeez, we're definitely that? not like at or the top of our games like cognitively i don't think at least i'm not so. well hell i mean if if we were gonna do a part two on that i might actually reach out to him and see if i can get him on to come and talk oh, about fuck yeah and we can uh 
really dig into it. That sounds very fun. Now, coming from a fun media standpoint, Entropy, Tenant, was an amazing movie. Just saying. <laughs> I don't think I saw it. Really? No. Oh, man. I don't, I'm like, I'm kind of ignorant about cinema, honestly. Christopher Nolan tackles Entropy in a brilliant science fiction film. It's not for everybody. As a matter of fact, it was a, it was a little too much for most people to wrap their heads around. But, wow, it was... Uh, I thought it was brilliant. And there's also a considerable amount of um, occult references in the entire film. Even the name alone, Tenant, goes back to the whole Magic Square thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Every word that is in the traditional Magic Square, and we've all seen it. Yeah, the, the Seder Square? Yes. Yeah. All of those words show up in that film at one point or another. Very fun. In both ways, forwards and backwards. So... Opera, Rappel. Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating. Not for everyone, though. So I, actually, I find that film fascinating because I think I think it is an occult puzzle that um, hmm. is worth trying to figure out. There's, I think Christopher Nolan is a fucking occultist. I think he is. Otherwise, this would not have happened. <laughs> well, is it written by him? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay, cool. Very, very cool. Well, yeah, that would be a fun one for, uh, I don't know, movie night sometime. We've been talking about maybe trying to do something like that. Um, so that'd be cool. Oh, that would be rad. Look, if we end up doing movie nights, we got to do a dark song. Oh, fuck yeah. I really want to do Death to Smoochie, too. That's like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Have you seen that shit? We're going on a safari, motherfucker. Dude, I want to bang Ed Norton's character so bad in that movie. (laughs) He's so delightful. It's like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Oh, God. I may or may not be in the process of uh, having a friend of mine, uh, Taylor, make me the Rainbow Randolph uh, jacket. Oh, fuck yeah. Dude, (laughs) that fucking... Just all the whole like movie is so fucking bonkers. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I like. So, you boys ever travel together before? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, we'll get you off that smacko. Yes, we will. <laughs> it's the rocket ship. <laughs> oh god, the look on his face when he pulls that cookie out is is just like, oh, it was it was. Oh God, it's so good. <laughs> Danny DeVito needs to direct more. Seriously, that was that movie was brilliant. Absolutely perfect black comedy for for its day, and it just it got no recognition. Yeah, it's definitely a fucking classic, at least in this house. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Hereditary definitely has to be on the list. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first movie that I've seen in a long time that actually like creeped me out. It got to me. There was some fucking rough shit in there. Man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that like there was not there was not a single moment of relief. It was just heavy from beginning to end. I liked that about Midsummer too about how it just the intensity just kind of built and built. Like what starts out and it's like just fucked up right off the bat. <laughs> like oh shit. I cannot wait to see what that guy does next. Like he yeah. he's brilliant. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited too. I guess his next one is supposed to be a horror comedy. Okay. Which, uh, to be honest, I kind of thought Midsummer was a little bit of a horror comedy too. Like there was. I think there's comedic elements too. Well, I don't know. It depends on your sense of humor, I suppose. <laughs> but... 
Uh, well, this might be saying more about us than it does about. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we should walk it back. <laughs> no, no. Lest we tip our hands too far. I'm gonna own that shit. <laughs> I'm gonna say like. I'm totally joking. Pe- people always look at me weird when I say like, "I'm sorry, blue velvet is funny as hell." There's there's parts of it that were funny. There were parts also that like you know made me feel angry and all the the other stuff. I mean, it's powerful shit oh, for yeah. sure. But there, yeah, there was parts of it that were like just over the top and like absurd and like yeah absolutely oh lynch he's got to do something before he dies uh he's man we need more lynch well i don't want to spoil anything but i'm i'm looking forward to uh coming in uh on xv planets and talking about david lynch's work and your kind of theories about is twin peaks a hyper sigil and like yeah it's very interesting stuff I would love to have you on to talk about it because I've, I've been sitting on that concept until Beth and I had this particular conversation because um, the return is when it really started to become obvious to me that this, this guy is, he is trying to work some shit through his work and it's, it's palpable. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's interesting. The self inserts are always interesting. <laughs> like... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I seriously, I I think season three was or the return was a uh, an attempt at a hyper sigil. Like he wrote himself into it, and I think he was trying to do that in order to give himself like a new lease on life. And I have I have my hmm. three, we'll 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 talk about that. But yeah, absolutely, we got to get you back on. Um, you have an okay, open okay. door policy anytime you want to come and talk about anything. Okay, awesome. And just for anybody listening that's not familiar with the concept, just kind of very loosely, a hyper sigil is basically a type of magical technology by which you use a creative project to kind of make a magical model of reality in some way and the things that you do within this magical model of reality this creative project whatever it is have some kind of an effect on the greater reality so that's kind of the the, a very basic explanation of, of what that is yeah and um Actually, that's that's something that we should sit down and actually have a, a more thorough conversation on at one point or another, because essentially XV Planus is a fourth dimensional hyper sigil. I started this as a way to rewrite the code of my own reality, and it's working. Like, my life is changing. It's it's all coming together. So My podcast is also an ongoing magical operation. Fuck Yeah! <laughs> And it's a great one that has pulled so many wonderful people together, really. Thank you. Yeah, I've been quite pleased with how it's gone. I just feel so grateful to, like, have gotten the opportunity to, like, talk to so many fucking cool people and learn so much cool shit and, yeah, everything. So, yeah, super grateful that it's working out so well. So, yes. All right. Well, fuck yeah, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and hang out with me today. So where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me uh, under XV Planis. That's E X, the letter V, P L A N I S. Uh, let's refer to it as butchered Latin that translates roughly to of five planes. And you can find me on pretty much every every uh, social network is that Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook, all of it. We're out there. And um, you can follow my personal stuff by looking up Folds and Floods. All right. Fuck yeah. Well, appreciate it. And also, it's kind of funny. Another thing we have in common, my podcast name is also Butchered Latin. So I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Again, some of the parallels between us are absolutely hilarious. And the fact that we essentially started 
we pretty much started our projects roughly around the same time. I think so. And I was, yeah, there was a different thing I had going on before. But yeah, I think when I started Lux Occult, like it was around the time y'all were starting XP Planet. So yeah, yep. I think it's all a blur. <laughs> so, it's it's yes. been a wild few years, man. And this is this is just the beginning. So it's only going to get weirder from here. I can promise you that. Well, fuck yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, dude. I hope you have an awesome rest of the day. Yeah, you do the same. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. What's Twitter? Never even heard of it. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Thanks so much to Flood and Luxa from the past, I suppose, for joining me. I really enjoyed the conversation when we first had it, and revisiting it today was really fun. I'd love to do that episode we talked about where we try to get someone qualified to come talk about entropy with us sometime. Let me know if that's something you'd be into. Your feedback is valued. And if you're somebody who is qualified to talk about that, let me know. Because even if the listeners aren't into it, Flood and I will be. Be sure to check out XV Plenis to keep up to date with all the fun and spooky stuff that he has going on. There's a whole network of paranormal investigators that has grown up around the show. And they have some really interesting conversations about their boots-on-the-ground paranormal investigations. I'd like to go on one of these things with them sometime. It would be interesting to do paranormal investigation with the context I've gained from being a magician. I had planned to join them last summer, but was thwarted by illness. I'm sure it will happen before too long, though. So a lot has changed since we recorded this conversation. In reference to some of what we talked about, we actually do have a movie night on the Green Machine Discord server now. Every 24th of the month, Yara from Administrism hosts a sort of mystery science theater thing where we hang out and watch campy old horror movies. You can hear Flood and Pythia discuss a dark song from the first episode of Camera Occulta, the newest addition to the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. Pythia has invited me on soon to talk about a few movies that I'm very stoked to get into the occult side of, so keep an ear out for that. While we're on the topic here, we've got all kinds of great shows from the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. We've got Administrism, Grognostics, Primordia, Ad Hoc History, Smuts Up, Unearthing Paranormalcy, XV Planis, and as I said now, Camera Occulta. Check out the show notes for links to all of the fantastic shows, as well as for a link to my new album of ritually produced aural erotica called Void Machine Adjustment. I'll be playing a clip from that in a bit because it has to do with what Flood and I talked about today. If you enjoyed today's conversation with Flood, don't miss the most recent episode of Ad Hoc History Podcast, in which my brother Asher and I sit down and discuss some of the history and current events surrounding government disclosure regarding the UAP and other phenomena and more. We cover some adjacent ground in what we discussed here today. And we are joined by Flood, who you heard today, and Dave from Our Nathan Paranormalcy Podcast. Ad Hoc History. It's not the history podcast you wanted. It's the history podcast you deserve. All right, so episode 51 called Fears and Phobias with Brit from Primordia and Romancing the Unknown with Flood would be a great companion to this one. You can hear books one through nine of the 23 Bibliomancy scripture in episode 62. So those are both kind of good companions. Uh, Episode 51 and 62 again. Cheers. If you like the show and you're into what I've got going on here, you can support me on Patreon. Making this thing is a pretty wild amount of work, especially for just one enterprising podcaster. But it means a lot to me to be able to do it. And thank you so much to the people who are making it possible by giving on Patreon or buy me a coffee and to the people who are supporting the show by spreading the word. 
Tell your ballet instructor and library buddies about the show. Tell people stopped in traffic next to you on the road and the people on your book clubs and your covens. Tell your Uber driver and your barber, too. You can also post about it on social media or write a positive review. All these things are super helpful, so thank you so much to everybody who is doing that. And yes, don't forget to smash the fucking shit out of that follow button so you can get updates when new episodes come out. You can find Luxacult Hello Void and other merchandise available at Illumin Industries, which is my Etsy store. Items will be printed on demand using the most eco-friendly options I could find and shipped directly to you at pretty close to cost, and there's some very fun stuff in there. So it's been really cool revisiting the conversation with Flood. The idea of there being a sort of sound component to Flood's paranormal experiences was something that I thought a lot about. I even ended up putting the audio that Flood shared of the Rendlesham return message, that Morse code, and the black hole sonification that we talked about in one of the tracks that I made, actually in a couple of the tracks that I made for Void Machine Adjustment. I'm going to play a clip of that for you in a moment here, as I said. The notion of paranormal or psychic phenomena being associated with sound is something that is kind of fertile ground to till. I've recently been experimenting with the old hemi-sync tapes that the Monroe Institute put back out in the day. These use binaural beats and self-hypnosis to guide practitioners into things like astral projection and remote viewing and all kinds of other interesting things. The crew from Our Nothing Paranormalcy podcast is covering the topic right now, which is a fun synchronicity. You can hear them get into what I would say is a shockingly esoteric-sounding government document about the topic. Um, I kind of imagine like somebody else from another department like getting their hands on this thing and being like, wait a minute, you all are spending money on what? No, 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 shut it the fuck down. <laughs> but yeah, it's very funny and very interesting too. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there, and playing around with the tech has been fascinating. So there's this whole like wild story there involving psychic spies and all sorts of other Cold War nonsense. Um, I find it fucking fascinating. Playing around with the tech has, as I said, been pretty crazy. I've had a few experiences that were helpful to me. I spoke with somebody who has a lot of past experience with the Hemi-Sync recordings, and I'm approaching it with a pretty healthy amount of care and respect, you know, doing vanishings and extra psychic self-defense and things like that. Apparently it can get pretty wild for some people, so I'm ready for that should it occur, I think. Sometimes you think you're ready for something, but then when it happens, you realize that was a joke and there's no way to prepare for it. But taking precautions is always wise, right? Alright, so speaking of magically active sound, here is a clip from a track from my newest album, Void Machine Adjustment. Apologies if you heard this already, I have played it on the show before, but I wanted to include it here too because, as I said, it contains both the things that we talked about earlier. It's some kind of heavy stuff from a project that ended up being quite intense. I'm looking forward to my next audio project, which will be much different and which I'm beginning work on now. You can read the essay I wrote about Void Machine Adjustment and find links to the album in the show notes. Alright, here's some of the track Preliminary Invocation. In an orgasmic instant, existence came to be. It was a big bang that even now continues banging. With the pleasure of following a path into a thing, the machine began unfolding from the void. 
It began building itself in recursive cycles, which grew into complex harmonies. It existed first as the sacred three, the primary trinary of space, time, and motion. It became what it had always been, what it would always be. It became what it must be, an expression of its fundamental formula, recursively reiterated ad infinitum. It became beautiful and monstrous, terrible and astonishing. It danced with itself in ways which brought pleasure and ways which brought pain. There were always gaps in it, places where the void could flow in like smoke to dance with it too. And when she caressed the machine's pieces, the void whispered to it of itself. It then became a broken hole, for it had to be shattered in order to be able to look upon itself. And it looked, and it, in conversation with the void, considered what it saw. The machine speaks to itself now. If you listen like the void, you can hear it, and it will tell you how it operates. It will tell you how to touch it, how to make things turn within it. When you hear my words, you do so with the machine's ears. When you look into my eyes, you are looking into the machine's eyes, and you are looking through the machine's eyes. This is why we find ourselves in each other. This is why we want to become part of each other. It's not a fantasy, it's a memory. Remembrance of the machine shattering brings us back to when we were whole. And in the quest for this recollection, we return once more to an understanding of wholeness. At least this is what I'm told. This is the carrot that is teased before me as I tread wearily up a steep slope. I have seen evidence to suggest that this might indeed be the case. In doing the difficult labor engendered by such a journey, I have come across places of beauty as well as of horror. I have found pathos and sharp, brilliant joy. The map is comprised of all manner of states, and each must be explored if one is to become familiar with the territory. It would be easier to walk downhill, to embrace the oblivion of accepting consensus. But I need to see as far as possible. I need to see the way the land lays, to see the swell and curves of it. I need to make deep and passionate love to it with my eyes, to feel it fill me up and press into my expanding mind. I need this. Because the machine needs it. I want it. Because the machine wants it. To feel 
with full awareness. It's dance with itself. And with the void. All right, thanks for listening, heavy stuff, like I said. The idea of reaching out into the darkness of the subconscious, the unknown, or the void was something that I was playing with a lot when I produced this. The notion of this message being transmitted across time, as is sort of hinted at in this Rendlesham Forest story, was something that I found pretty inspirational. There's the idea of getting in contact with the future magical self or the holy guardian angel or whatever that comes up in occultism or esotericism, and people who are familiar with the headless rite or preliminary invocation, as it's also known, might be aware that it's sometimes contextualized as being work along those lines. It's a ritual that a lot of people are into doing. When I first began working with it, I was interested in playing with intoning the barbarous words in different ways, kind of tuning into the frequency that worked best for me, if you will. That's how it sort of felt on a physical level, at least. Like, saying the things creates a vibration in your body that has an effect. Over the months of experimenting with it, I began to make it more my own, and I was also inspired by a friend of mine who was working with it at the time as well. She and I actually performed the rite in tandem at Babylon Rising Pantholemic Festival this summer, which was a really incredible experience. We called it the Rite of the Middle Star, Alchemy from the Void. The Middle Star is a reference to the coming together of the two aspects of the planet Venus, or like Anana and Arishkigal. So yes, we brought very different energies to the Headless Rite, and we reckoned that combining them would create something new and interesting. There was a kind of fun synchronicity that occurred on Halloween a little while back that makes me suspect that something new and interesting may indeed be emerging from the silky oblivion of the void. I feel like I'm getting into the weeds here. Let's go ahead and do shoutouts. Shout out to Chelsea. I love the idea of making cat toys with sigils that your furry friends can help you charge. Very fun. Fuck yeah. Shout out to Cece. Thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Greetings to Joe and to Linda from Simulation Hypothesis class. Another fun offering I enjoyed from Morbid Anatomy this fall. Super interesting hearing people's perspectives. And uh, I think I might have actually picked up an interesting new trick today, which is always an interesting and fun time. Much love to Justin. Hope you're feeling well and that you are remaining as stubborn as ever. Thanks so much to Catalyst for taking the time to share your experiences with me. There was some really useful context in what you told me, and I'm looking forward to investigating along the lines we discussed. I'm going to end the episode by sharing an invocation to Hecate that I wrote. It's a sort of living work in progress that will continue to evolve. It's definitely like not done yet. It's still pretty raw. But I will share the version that I brought to the Samhain ceremony. I assisted with at our local circle here. Shout out to everyone from the Elms, fuck yeah. And I also shared the thing during an impromptu honoring of the goddess on Hecate night last week. Thank you to everybody from the Green Machine who stood witness as I expressed my zealotry. 
it's been an interesting path doing this deity work. I started out just kind of trying to get my head around what it meant, like this idea of having a relationship with a god. You know, I've seen other people doing this in my life in different contexts, religious and otherwise. And I wanted to figure out how to have a more direct kind of relationship with that notion. It was very abstract for me, as I said. I've learned a lot and it's been pretty rewarding, actually. So this time of year, it's nice to reflect back on all that's happened in the past seasons and to think about the many things which you have to be grateful for. Thank you so much for being along for the strange journey that making the show has taken me on this far. I really appreciate all the very kind and supportive stuff people have been expressing about my work. I'm very grateful and feel very lucky to be doing it, and it's a huge honor and privilege to be working with such amazing people. Much love and much love to Fungi and the Green Mushroomists and all the denizens of Horny Jail and everyone else on the Green Machine. You all are poor in the wild storm that is the internet. Much love and much love to everybody participating in the Green Mushroom Project, regardless of what that looks like to you and your practice. As I take some much needed rest from the content creation grind, I'll be doing some magical work and other stuff surrounding opening up pathways for peace and proceeding otherwise in situations that maybe seem hopeless. The narratives we hold in our minds have immense power, and thinking about scenarios in which people are free from the oppressive forces of colonialism is one way to focus on the path to better times. Questioning the narratives we are given also has the potential to take some of the power these narratives hold for their creators away from them. The people telling stories in many ways create what reality looks like for the people hearing the stories. I love the whole solar punk movement for this reason. This is a sort of central theme there, this idea about telling more optimistic stories about the future. Episode 47 features a conversation about this topic with Josh, aka Junior C. And I asked myself, you know, what are some better stories that we can tell about the future? What are some ways, some simple ways even, that we can improve things around us now? How can we open up roads to find a better path forward? Questions to meditate upon. All right, here is the piece that I have been working on. Working title, Hecate of the Crossroads. We'll end with the Green Mushroom Project Statement of Resistance. Hecate of the Crossroads, Hecate of the Lonely Places, Hecate of the Gated Mysteries, Come, hear our prayers. Hecate of the Cave, Hecate of the Mountains, Hecate of the Crooked Path, Come, witness our devotions. Hecate of the morning star, Hecate of the evening light, Hecate of the moonless night. Come, taste of our efforts. Hecate of the dawn's fire, Hecate of the blazing circle, Hecate of the twin torches. Hecate of the shadowed knowing, Hecate of the clear sight, Hecate of the gleaming threshold, come to us. Hecate of the coiled serpent, Hecate of the golden kernel, Hecate of the howling hounds. Hecate of the knife, Hecate of the bell, Hecate of the brimming chalice. Hecate of the pain of birth, Hecate of the joy of living, Hecate of the peace of death. Grace us with your mighty presence, Hecate of the moon, Hecate of the star, Hecate of the celestial center. 
Hecate of the ocean, Hecate of the forest, Hecate of the forgotten places, Hecate of the open window, Hecate of the salted sigil, Hecate of the shattered glass, Hecate of the past age, Hecate of the current era, Hecate of the coming aeon, Hecate, mighty one, lady of just retribution, mother of Tecne, protector of the mysteries, wielder of diplomacy, mistress of poison and medicine, equitable holder of secrets, invincible queen, instruct us further, mistress, come and accept the offerings we bear, so that we might unlock the gates which bar our progress, you have placed your keys in our hands, and given us leave to wield your talents with the might which befits your children. Grant us always safe passage through the unseen ways. Inspire in us the patience to plan, the courage to change, and the wisdom to act with integrity, respect, and reciprocity, and give us the strength to resist. Resist by maintaining sovereignty of the self. Resist by maintaining love of the self. Resist by maintaining fierce loyalty to love and pleasure. Resist with acts of radical kindness. Focus on the past to better times. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much to Flood for joining me today. Check out XV Planets. Thanks to everybody who submitted work to fuck around and find out part two, the mixtape. And to everyone who's participated in the 23 Bibliomancy experiment. And most of all, thanks so much to you for listening. Much love. This is Lex Estrada, reminding you to stay strong and stay fucking curious. I'm going to leave you now with a delightful piece of spoken word from Fuck Around and Find Out Part 2. Cheers. And thank you. Hawthorne, Cretaceous Monogyna by Amy Jo Trier Walker. Read by Amy Jo Trier Walker. Hawthorne is the heart tonic, working to pump more blood with each beat so the heart is strengthened and doesn't have to work as hard, and blood pressure is lowered as well. It is also a nervine that calms restlessness and anxiety. In pagan Europe, it was venerated as a living form of the triple goddess, with its medicinal blossom, fruit, and thorn mirroring that of the maiden, mother, and crone triad. Hawthorne trees are not to be disturbed, and certainly never cut down. Hawthorne, I want to dwell inside you. Know how it feels to be garlanded in thorns that do no harm to the patient and small. I planted you on the edge of my first garden, back when I believed that herbs were magic and should be laid out in the order of the zodiac, back when all I needed was to hide myself. Now, so many gardens later, you're on the edge of our now poison garden, a safe place to grow what is toxic and beautiful. The front of our garden has grown close, impenetrable. The back is wide open to Venus and the moon. And there we reach for each other, all of us, returning to blossom, fruit, and craggly crone. Hey Luxa, what do you have there? It looks like a tattered old Discord server. Oh, this old thing? It's pretty beat up. But if I use this, 
Sweet! Now that you peeled off the outer bits, it looks fresh as hell. We should call it the Green Machine. Awesome! I fucking hate it! That's okay. It should function alright, but it would probably work better if we had more people. Yeah! We have an awesome crew of chaos, cultists, socialists, witches, and weirdos, but there's always room for more. Absolutely. If you'd like to take part in any of our many chats, rituals, workshops, clubs, and more, hit me up and I will send you a link. You can reach me at luxtocultpod at gmail.com or at luxtocultpod on Instagram. And remember, resist. Lux the Cult is a part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network.